Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. It is a joy to be with you this day. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you're a visitor for the very first time, welcome. We're really excited that you're here. And maybe maybe you're here and maybe you're not uh, necessarily a Christian. Uh, maybe you've been invited by someone and they uh, encourage you to come. So maybe you can learn more about uh, what Christians do, what they say, what Jesus has to say. And if you're here, uh, this is a safe place. We're really excited that you're here with us as well. Um, in fact, the course of the next few weeks, uh, this message series is entitled Faith Fact, Frequently Asked Questions. And what we're doing is, is we're going into some of the most popular questions of the day uh, that many individuals, Christians, non-Christians, have specifically about the faith. And so uh, today's question that we're going to tackle is, why do I need to go to church? Now, you might laugh at that and you might say, well, Terry, of course, everyone knows why we need to go to church. Um, But the truth is, is the answer is a little bit more complicated today, isn't it? Because about 30 years ago, you could go to church and and if you were to ask the question, why do we need to go to church? um, There was a simple answer. It's like, well, you need to know the truth. And, you know, in order to understand the truth, you've got to be able to go to church because there are pastors who are trained to be able to teach the truth. There's Bible study teachers that really know how to uh, unpack the truth. And we got to learn so that we could be prepared and and worship. Um, But now I could be out in my shorts, sweating to death, cutting my trees and listening to some of the top theologians of the day preach a message. And so we get a lot of questions from individuals that um, are, especially our younger generation, to say, you know, why is it important to gather together in a building when I could pretty much do church at home in my PJs? And so if that's you, and, and I think there's two things. I think, number one, I think individuals have that question legitimately. But I think, secondly, for some of you in this room that say, well, Terry, I know why we need to go to church. But what we're going to do today is actually go to see what Jesus has to say about it. And my hope is is that you can go home and with a, a lot of tools in your tool belt to be able to engage others in a conversation as to truly what the church is for and why it's so important for everyone to be connected and to go to church. So in order to do that, we're going to open up to a passage of Scripture in the New Testament in the book of Luke. And, and i got to tell you, I'm excited. Um, I absolutely love this message, and I'll tell you why. I have never preached from this story in the Bible. In fact, up until this week, I was just at a conference with over 8,000 leaders, and uh, it inspired me to look differently at this story. Now, we didn't talk about this story, and we didn't talk about this message, um, but some of the, the pouring in that I received really made me in the mornings as I got up look at this one particular story in a very different light. And it taught me so much more than I could ever pull out before. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. And let me kind of set it up. Jesus Christ is going to dinner. And as he goes to dinner, he is going to have two different audiences in the room. And he's going to have a very specific purpose for both audiences. And we're going to learn a lot from Jesus' interaction And we're going to answer the question, why church is so important. Luke chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Here we go. One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. And the people were watching him closely. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Jesus asked the Pharisees and the expert in the religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? When they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man 
He healed him and he sent him away. Then he turned to them and said, which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? And again, they couldn't answer. Now, if you're a Bible study student, you've read this passage before, you've studied it, and let me just call it out. 99% of the time, the message that you received is, it's not about the law, it's about the heart behind the law. And so if you're never in that, write that down, and later you can go into Bible study, and that's what you're going to hear. But I believe there's so much more, and it's so powerful to this question as to why do we go to church. I want to take the context for just a second. Did you know that Jesus Christ only went to a few dinners? Now, this is interesting. If you read the New Testament, you might find a few places where it says that Jesus Christ sat at a dinner table with someone. When I, when I think of the times that Jesus went to dinner, one of them, there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he, right? And he climbed this, well, what kind of tree? Man, you guys are really good Bible study students. If you're not a Christian, you have no idea. You're thinking, these people are crazy. Trust me, it's been indoctrinated. We've learned it and learned it and learned it. So Zacchaeus is up there. But what did Jesus say to Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, come down from that tree because tonight I'm going to do what? Have dinner at your house. There's another guy by the name of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. And Jesus called Matthew to become one of his disciples. And right after that happened, he went to where? A dinner with Matthew and a bunch of his friends who are tax collectors. Now, here's the interesting thing. The tax collectors were the most despised group of people of that day. And so Jesus went to dinner with a whole bunch of people that everyone looked at and despised. Here's my point. Jesus didn't go to dinner with someone unless there was a purpose. Did you know that Jesus many nights would leave Jerusalem and go to the Mount of Olives, which is right across the valley from Jerusalem? And most of the nights he would go to the Mount of Olives. Why? Because the Mount of Olives was known as a spooky place to everyone. And even the Roman soldiers wouldn't even go into the Mount of Olives because for fear that something would happen to them. So Jesus many times would escape to pray, to talk to his disciples, to be refreshed. So when Jesus decided to do dinner with someone, and I would tell you, when you read the Bible, when you see Jesus is going to dinner with someone, there is a purpose for that dinner. Just like there's a purpose for going to church. Now, there are two different individuals in this story that we just read, and we're going to dive in deeper verse by verse in just a second. But what I want you to see is we have the Pharisees, the leader of the Pharisees, and obviously it says that they watched Jesus closely. Remember I read that? Which means not only did you have the leader of the Pharisees, but you had people like the Pharisees. Now, for those of you who don't know Christianity very well, Pharisees were religious leaders. The Pharisees were supposed to be the religious leaders that when you had a crisis of faith, when you had a, a moment where you felt shaken, that you felt you could come to the religious leaders and they would be a safe place to be able to learn, grow, be comforted and encouraged. I can promise you back in the day, that was the last thing that those Pharisees gave off. The religious leaders and the Pharisees, they started getting real popular. They started liking the attention and they were anything but a safe place for people that had needs. So here are the religious leaders and they don't like Jesus and Jesus went to dinner with them. And the reason why they didn't like Jesus is because Jesus was stealing their thunder. Jesus was preaching a different message. He was gaining popularity. He was taking the popularity away from the religious leaders. In fact, Jesus was preaching a different message than what the religious leaders were preaching. And so they were in conflict. And so here you have the religious leaders. But then on the other side, did you catch in verse 2? There was a man. And a man had a condition. 
And that condition required a need. And so here you have an untouchable, someone who was dying, someone who was neglected, and he ends up in this story. And it's incredible, isn't it, that Jesus chose to go to dinner with someone that had a strong need along with a bunch of religious leaders who didn't like him. So here's something that I would say. Why do we go to church? Here's the first thing that I think we learned from the purpose of this dinner. One thing's for sure. In the midst of this story, the religious leaders and the man with a strong need are going to be seen and they're going to be known throughout history. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. When you gather as a group or you gather as a body or you gather as a church, when you gather, it allows others to know you. In other words, write this down. Groups allow you to be known. And one of the things I love about this is today, thousands of years later, we're talking about a man with a sickness that at the time, nobody saw. And thousands of years later, we're sitting here in 2019 talking and learning from a man that no one at that time wanted to look at. So one thing that church does for everyone is when you come together, one thing's for sure is you will be known. Now there's a problem with that. Because some of you who are very transparent and you wear your emotions on your sleeve and you don't care what other people think about you, you find a great safe place in the church because when you come, you don't care what others think or say or anything else. If you have a need, hey, I need you to pray for me. And you love the fact that people see you. Because you know what? Hey, you, you notice that I'm having a rough day. How many of you walked into someone today and said, hey, it's good to see you. Well, what's wrong? How many of you did that today? A few of you where you walked into someone that you know and you're excited about seeing because you gathered as a church and you look into their eyes and you see something different than joy. And right off the bat, you looked at him and you said, whoa, whoa, I see you. Hold on, I see you. What's wrong? What do you need? And that's the incredible part about going to church is that if you go, you will be known. Now, you might not want to be seen for who you really are, but I can promise you this, everyone needs to be seen by someone. And so if you're not a Christian and you wonder what's the benefit about going to church, why should I go to church? You're going to be known. And every single person needs someone to see them. It needs to be known. Now, let's go verse by verse. You've got the two characters that are in the story, and let's kind of break this down bit by bit. Verse 2, let's take a look. There was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. Now, let me give you a little context. His arms and legs were swollen because he carried a condition called dropsy. Dropsy during this age was a condition of the kidney or a condition of the liver. And that condition caused for fluid to build up beneath the skin. In essence, he was dying of cancer. And so here's an individual. And by the way, if you were living during this time and you had dropsy, you were pretty much left for dead because they didn't have any kind of medicines or anything else that could heal you. And so people who were lame, people who had skin diseases, they were the outcasts. People didn't want to be around them. Religious leaders would walk past them. They didn't want to touch them or be near them. Everyone was afraid of the, the person that looked different and had a strong need. And what I love about this story is when we read, remember we read the whole passage to start with. At the top of the passage... Jesus Christ noticed in a room full of religious leaders the man with the strongest need. Not only that, Jesus saw someone in need and he leaned into his 
life. Here's the great thing about church, when church does it right. And I've got to be honest, we're not a perfect church. If you're watching online, we are not a perfect church, and I'll be the first. I'm not a perfect pastor. We're not a perfect church. We make a lot of mistakes. I own it. We're never going to be perfect. And I think a lot of churches around the country, some are better than others, but churches are not perfect, and churches mistake in this. And here's what I think the principle Jesus wants to teach us. When Jesus walked into the room, there were religious leaders who wanted it out with Jesus. They were the one set. They were the important set. They were the group of people that looked good, sounded good, everyone knew who they were. And so if you were going to give attention to someone at that dinner, it should have been this group of people because we have business to talk about. Meanwhile, there's an individual somehow, some way, who's at this dinner who is dying of cancer. And remember, during this time, they were the outcasts. They were neglected. The religious leaders were paying no attention to this guy. In fact, if you actually reread that passage, it says that the religious leaders watched who? Jesus. The religious leaders were concerned about their popularity, and so their whole attention was on Jesus because Jesus was taking their popularity. Meanwhile, a guy is dying in the same room. The religious leaders are supposed to be the leaders to create a safe place, to care for the needs of the people. And were the religious leaders looking at the man with the real need? No. They were looking at Jesus. And Jesus walked in and the first lesson he teaches all of us is that Jesus did not confuse that which is secondary from primary. Let me explain this a little bit more. I love Italian food. I'm Italian. I love chicken parmesan. I'm just saying. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. There's one of our staff members, Linda Swaringa. She's Italian by nature. She married a Dutch guy. You know, we can forgive her for that. But anyway, she, that's a joke, by the way. You, if you're Dutch, I love the Dutch. Amen. Woohoo! Soccer. Awesome. Um, football. So anyway, I don't know why I just made Dutch people soccer people. I don't know. I'll just stop talking now. But anyway, Linda makes amazing chicken parmesan. And when Linda says, hey, Terry, would you and Jennifer and Connor like to come over? The first thing I think about is, yes, chicken parmesan. Yes, 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 yes. Awesome, awesome. I'm going to eat great. It's going to be awesome. God is alive. It's incredible. Yes, I'm pretty shallow. But you do this too, don't you? Because when you talk as a family, let's say you're deciding, let's go out to eat. And some of you say, oh, well, you know what? Let's go ahead and let's go to our favorite Mexican restaurant. Ooh, yes, enchiladas. Yes, yes, yes. And our focus goes directly to the meal we're going to eat. It's human nature. Many of us were like, yes, oh, I, I can't wait. We crave it. We salivate. We can't wait. And what I would tell you is, is if we're doing that, which we do, we're too focused on the secondary that we're missing the primary. So now let's really think about this. When you go out to dinner with your family or you go to dinner with the friends, what's the purpose for the dinner? Is it really to consume food? Or is it about the memory, the conversation, and the importance of connecting around the table? Which is more important? I can eat a ham sandwich by myself if I need to consume food. If I choose to go out to dinner and I choose to be around people, the primary thing that I should do is look for an opportunity and celebrate the opportunity to be able to see someone, have them see me, and to be known. Jesus never confused core for cultural. And one of the reasons why I think the church gets a bad rap and people ask the question, why do I need to go to church? It's because I think we as the church have confused many times that which is core and that which is cultural. I think Jesus with this dinner tried to teach us as the church what should be core. Because Jesus walked into this dinner and you didn't hear about the food that he ate, did you? 
you heard about two different groups of people. And who did Jesus pay the most attention to? The man with the need. And I think, why do we gather together as a church? It's because we gather together to look for those same needs in one another. You know, I tweeted out this morning before I, came, before I started this morning in church. And all, all week long, after just learning so much, and the title of the conference that we went to was It's Personal. And all week long, I was really challenged with breaking things down to a simpler level. And I tweeted this out this morning. The simple question that all of us face every single Sunday is this. Who am I going to church for? Because when you think and when you really understand that when you go to church, it's less about what you consume and it's more about what you can pour out, you begin to really understand what the church is for. And you start understanding why it's so important for you to go to church. Let's continue on. Jesus asked the Pharisees, an expert in the religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? This is what I love. This is what I absolutely love. And dear Jesus, I thank you for this. Because it means there is hope for a sinful man like me. Because I want you to, I want you to pay attention. If I was Jesus Christ, and remember I'm Italian, right? And I, I get emotional at times. I'd come into that dinner and I would look at this man that is being neglected, that is being overlooked, that needs are not met, that is struggling and in dying. And I would look at a group of selfish religious leaders worried about how popular and important they are. And if I was Jesus, I would look and I would let this group have it. I would say something like, you're supposed to be the safe place for this person to come to and you can't even look at them. What kind of religious leader are you? You offend me. Get out of the house. I would say get out of his house, but it's not Jesus' house. It's probably theirs. So just get out of the house. That's what I would do. But, oh, if you ever wonder whether or not God loves you, even with as many mistakes as you make and how rotten at times you can be, don't miss this. Because Jesus, in that last passage of Scripture, Jesus turned to the religious leaders and he tried to pour into them. Don't miss this. Jesus sees the need and he goes to the religious leaders and he says, is, is it okay to heal on the Sabbath? I mean, he engages them in a conversation. And I really believe in the goodness of my heart, he was trying to teach the religious leader. He was making a point, but he was still trying to elevate the thought process of the religious leaders. He was trying to get them to understand who he is and what he's doing and get to the heart behind the law that they were protecting. In other words, as despicable as I can be at times, Jesus will never give up on me and he will always lean into me to try to open my eyes so that I can see others. If you're taking notes, write this down. Jesus saw the potential for others and their ability to see. Even the religious leaders who he knew their heart, he still believed in their ability to look and to see. And he wanted to empower them because he believes like I do. That Could you imagine if we as a church... We begin as far away from God as we get at times. Could you imagine if we all gather together and say, God, I'm ready to listen. I'm ready to put my wants and my needs aside. I'm ready to stop consuming and making it all about me. And I'm ready to start being the church that sees needs. Could you imagine what would happen? You know, someone the other day, they were talking to me and they were talking about the early church. And if you do studies on the early church, it is absolutely a miracle the early church survived and thrived 
think about it. We complain in America because the church is dwindling in many places. We can go around people. We can go out in public. We complain all the time because our, our freedoms are being infringed on more and more. I mean, it's nothing compared to the times when the church first started. If you mention or people even accuse you of being a follower of Christ, you could be persecuted or killed. So how in the world did the church explode at a time when they were hunted? It's very simple. Read the book of Acts. It says that they gathered together and then they met needs that they gave to all who had nothing. They, as the church, said it's not about us. It's about what we can do to pour into others. We need to be able to see one another. So Jesus saw the potential, yes, even in the religious leaders, and tried to engage them so that they can see the needs of others. Continuing on, Luke 14, 4. When they refused to answer, isn't that amazing? Jesus pours his heart. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. And I believe this is in there for a reason. They sat there in silence. I don't even want to listen to you, Jesus, because I'm not about to learn from you. I just want my turf back. I'm just trying to trap you so I don't have eyes to see, ears to hear, or a heart to change. And so he looks at him. He continues and said, when they refused to answer, Jesus went ahead and met the need. Don't miss this. He touched the sick man, healed him, and sent him away. So after first addressing the religious leaders, trying to engage them, trying to expound upon them, when they refused to answer, then he said, fine, you won't meet the need, I will. You know, this reminds me of another place in Scripture, and this is why I do believe that this is exactly how it occurred. Because there's another moment in time in Scripture around the Sea of Galilee where Jesus did the same thing with his disciples. Think about it. If you don't know the story, I'll, I'll set it up for you. Jesus was teaching to a multitude of people, 5,000 men that didn't count their families, didn't count the kids. So 5,000 men and their families are sitting there listening to Jesus. Jesus is healing people, and it's getting dark. And the, and the disciples are tired. They, they're tired of the crowd. They're tired of the people. They've just been kind of pushing people back, trying to protect Jesus. And they finally are like, look, it's dinner time. People are already starting to say they're hungry. We don't have any food. So Jesus, you need to send the crowds away because we, we, can't, we can't meet this need. And do you remember what Jesus said to the disciples? You feed them. Now don't miss this. There's a need in the crowd and the disciples went to Jesus and said, we can't meet the need. We need to send the need away. And Jesus looked at them and said, he didn't say, and I love this. Jesus didn't say, I'll, don't worry guys, I got it. He didn't say that, did he? He looked at these fishermen who don't know a lick about anything and he said, in essence, you have the power to feed them all. And the disciples look at him like, ah, much like the religious leaders at that dinner. And then what did Jesus do? He took a handful of fishes and loaves and he fed multitudes but don't miss the message. And here's what I want to hear you. This is why I believe at this dinner, Jesus leaned into the religious leaders before he healed the man. He leaned into these religious leaders and it was as if Jesus was saying to them, do you know that you have the power to meet this need? Don't miss this church because I think he does it with us. Do you realize church that when you gather together, when you actually see people, when you actually realize your potential to meet needs in your community and one another, that you have the power to meet the hardest and most difficult need. 
Because Jesus Christ is in every believer. Christian, do you remember this? You have the Holy Spirit, which is God in you, and the Holy Spirit can do all things. And so Jesus was telling me, Terry, the reason why I was trying to get them on board is because they did have the power to heal this man if they would just believe. And when they said nothing and their hearts were hardened, then I went ahead and I showed them my compassion of what I really wanted to happen, so I had to meet the need. God forgives the church when all we do is say, Jesus, we can't do anything here, but you can. No, that's not true. Christ in us can do a lot. I think we keep, like the disciples, looking at the master and saying, Master, you've got to come because we can't do this. And Jesus says, I gave you me. You have me. Why do you keep calling on physical Jesus? You can be Jesus with skin on. You can move mountains if you just believe. Why do we go to church? Because if the church is doing what the church is supposed to do, if you have a need and you come to the church, guess what? You're going to have a group of people that are going to love on you to death. Not literally, but you understand. Don't miss this. Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? Don't miss this. After he heals the man and meets the need, he goes back to the religious leaders. I love this. Which of you doesn't work on the Sabbath? If your son or cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? Don't miss this. And again, they didn't answer. Jesus went a second time to this group of people. He didn't go once. He doubled down and said, look, guys, Let me explain it one more time in layman's terms because I really want you to get this because what you just saw me do, I believe you have the power to do if you just believe. And what was their response? Nothing. You know, for some of you sitting in this church, and it breaks my heart when I hear individuals say, God doesn't want anything to do with me. I've done too much. I've fallen too far. God is mad at me. When I hear that, my heart breaks. Because the Jesus that I know and the Jesus that I read about in Scripture, and if you've read the Bible, that's not the Jesus that is alive today. Because Jesus Christ even saw those who have an unhealthy need to be seen. The religious leaders didn't want anything to do with truth. They just wanted their popularity. They wanted to be bigger than God. You talk about a sin. God is what? A jealous God. And these individuals wanted to be more important than God. How do I know this? Because God showed up and they wanted to be more important than God. And here they are standing here and God in the flesh who is looking at his creation talked down to him, leaned in with an incredible heart. You think you got it bad? Why should I go to church? Because what every human being should find when they go to a church is a safe place that says no matter what you're doing, no matter what you've done, you can find a safe place to be loved, to be encouraged, and you'll find a big God who loves you. Jesus created the church to be a safe place where everyone can be seen. Jesus created the church to be a safe place where everyone can be known. And Jesus Christ created the church so that you, as a church member, can truly begin to see and meet and I close with a story that some of you know. Last Sunday, as I was heading home from church, I got a call from our worship pastor, Stephen Hand, and he said, Terry, did you hear about Max? And I said, no, Max is our tech director. I said, what's wrong? He said, Max's house is on fire. 
And so I said, okay, I'll head over. And so Pastor Tommy and myself, we met down there. And as I pulled up, I did what most of you do is, how bad is it? Did, did it burn everything? Is, did they lose everything? And, and as I pulled into the neighborhood and I got stopped and couldn't drive my car four blocks down to where his house was, I realized it's much worse than I probably thought. So I pulled and I parked the car and I started walking past caution tape. It was a surreal scene. It was 12 fire trucks. Hoses were everywhere. News cameras everywhere. I see smoke in the distance. And I walk all the way up and there's Max. And I got to give credit to the Mr. Family and to Max because um, of anybody that is going through this kind of situation, he had the most amazing attitude because he realized in that moment, you know what, everyone's safe. The pets are out. The kids are safe. My wife is safe. Um, it's just stuff. And that was credit to him. But we stood there for about three and a half hours and watched fire after fire after fire running into the house, putting the blaze out. All we could see is through a glimpse through the front door and we could just see water everywhere, burn chars everywhere. We didn't really know. I mean, we knew it was bad. We didn't know the extent. And there were hundreds of people there giving information and, and kind of guiding and people with neighbors would stop by and the community was really sweet. But about three and a half hours into it, four hours into it, um, when the fire inspector came out and said it's safe to go in, there was literally four people, me, Pastor Tommy, Max, and uh, one of the individuals that was there to be able to help with the situation. And uh, there were a couple of firefighters still left on the scene to make sure everything was okay. And so I remember walking with Max, and I, I want you to remember this. We walked to the front door, and as we walked, the first thing that I noticed was when you crossed the threshold, you could no longer see the carpet because the insulation, the charred remains of insulation about three quarters of a foot of water, when you step in, your just foot just, just gets soaked. It's like a swamp of mess. And no matter whether you think you know what you've walked to, unless you've ever walked through that, I mean, I remember I, I, there's not much that surprises me in life anymore because of what I do, but that was my first walking into a fire scene immediately after it happened and my breath was taken away. The stench, the smell, and the look and the sights of that home. The whole back of the house was literally gone. And it just took your breath away. Everything, there were remnants of stuff, but most everything was just obliterated. And I remember both Tommy, myself, and Max, as we, as we began to step into the mess we were, we were just taking a small step at a time because our, our shoes, the firefighter actually looked and he looked at us. He goes, well, you guys should have had boots. And I really wanted to say, really, guy? Really, you're going to do that? And he was just wanting to help us because it was not safe. And we had gym shoes on and our feet are sinking in this muck and it's disgusting and nasty. And the guy actually literally said, you guys need to burn your clothes and shoes after this. I go, really? You burn? You're going to use that? I mean, come on, dude, let's go. And so... I'm about four steps in and I can feel my feet getting wet. And, I, and I'll be honest, I'm sitting there going, this is disgusting. This is just, I don't want to be here. I, there's nothing in me that wants to be in this mess or here. And Max is about a step ahead of me and Max looks and on the corner in the, in, in the house, there's a painting, a family painting. And he said, oh, that painting survived. We need that painting. Terry, can you go get that painting? Yeah, absolutely. And I trudge through and I grab a painting off the wall. I move it outside. The firefighter says, look, if you have any closets that made it through and you've got some clothes, if you go ahead and grab the clothes out now, then you might be able to salvage them. 
And so all of a sudden I hear Max say, oh, my, my closet made it. My closet, look, I got clothes. Guys, can you help us with the clothes? Sure, absolutely. And Tommy and I sludge through the mess and we grab and we start doing a chain and we start getting clothes and we start moving clothes out. For about 45 minutes to an hour, we start going into every room. So I went into one of the kids' room with pictures on the wall and in my mind I'm thinking, those are memories. And I grab the pictures off the walls and I'm trudging through everything. We were a mess. But at the end... I remember thinking, I didn't mind trudging through that mess when I saw the need. And I think for a lot of us, we don't like to get messy and we don't like to dig enough to see the real need. We'll put our toe in and we don't like it and we'll quickly say, we'll pray for you and walk out. But if the church, the way that Jesus intended, is the church that's willing to take a few steps into the mess. And then all of a sudden, when you see a picture, which is a legacy, and when you see possessions that are very few, and you see the heart of a man who has lost almost everything, crowd and say, guys, I need help. Well, of course, we're going to be the church. That's what the church does. That's what Jesus was trying to convey to these religious leaders. You guys, you're the safe place and there's a man here who has need and you have the power to heal him and you're doing nothing. Why do we need to go to church? Because the church is a safe place that can meet the needs of a generation that cries out and have doubts about God. And when the church does what the church is supposed to do, and when the church believes in the power that Jesus gave him, and the church does incredible things, it changes a community. And when a community is changed to the point when they think of the church, not as a place to where I can come and consume, but a place that absolutely does what Jesus calls them to do, then I'm not going to question why I should go to church. I'm going to beat down the doors of the church because I want to be a part of something special. And so if you're a skeptic in this room, why should you go to church? Let me speak to you for a second. Forgive us for not being much of a church at times. But when we get our act together, and when we take our eyes off of us, and we put our eyes on what matters, then that's when you see Jesus. And I know a lot of people that have questions about Jesus, but I haven't met one person that doesn't necessarily want to learn more about who he is because of what he's done. There's a lot of people who ask, you know, Terry, is there any way that we can help meet meet the needs of the Mitchell family? And I want to thank a lot of you who already have stepped up this week. And and I've shared this before, that if you want to give them some gift cards to a grocery store or to a Target or something to be able to help in this transition time while they're out, that would be a big help to them. And that's the great thing about the church because it's not you. It's Christ in you that can do incredible things. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, I thank you so much for um, this message. And God, I thank you because this, um, I will never look at this parable the same. You showed me so much in your actions. And God, I just pray that we as the church would create a safe place where even the ones with the most hardest hearts, the biggest doubts, 
the most, the biggest egos that we would realize at times that yes, you even lean in and see us. So Father, thank you for the church and thank you for what it means in my life. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.